Well, guys, I want to continue the series that I started two weeks ago, Friends of Jesus. Let me go back to the passage that we really are pulling this theme from, and I think is very important to us as followers of Christ. It says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, up until this point, the disciples were only in fellowship with Jesus. But Jesus wanted to go beyond that. He wanted friendship. So as we continue our series on Friends of Jesus, I I, I want to really help us to understand that we need to go deeper with each other. So I believe we enjoy fellowship. But our souls desire something even greater. Deep and meaningful friendships. So what is the difference between biblical fellowship and biblical friendship? Well, here's a, a quick description of fellowship. It's a special sense of companionship and love among believers based on our unity in Christ. Now, who here loves fellowship? Oh, hopefully you do. If you don't, we'll work on it. But here's the problem. Fellowship is only limited to meetings of the body. Do you take that into your workplace? Do you take that into your home? Do you take that on the streets or in your school? See, fellowship is limited to a location and a scheduled meeting. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants more than fellowship. He wants friendship. He wants to continue that relationship into our lives, even above when we meet together. Whether it's three of us or all of us. He wants more than fellowship. So what's friendship then, biblically? It's when fellowship adds depth, refinement, and detail through active investment in one another's lives. Can you actually have that in a fellowship meeting? It's hard. It'd be harder in this setting. Yeah, maybe if it's a smaller fellowship group in your, your home, like our small groups and our Bible talks, you can get to that level. But then you leave when the time's up. We want that fellowship to extend to biblical friendship. It's something so much more meaningful. Here's a quote from an author and pastor, Kevin DeYoung. He says, Friendship is the most important, least talked about relationship in the church. And I agree with him because as I looked up material, I can find material about sin. I can find material about addictions. I can find material about heaven, the kingdom of God. I could not find very much material on biblical friendship. There's not a lot out there. Some of them I had to go back to like the 4th century (laughs) to find actual written Christian texts discussing biblical friendship. And yet I believe this is the most important relationship of all because this is what Jesus said He wants. I'm no longer... You're no longer servants. I'm not just going to fellowship with you anymore. You're my friend. So we need to get an actual definition of biblical friendship. So as we go on and we talk about friendship with God and friendship with Jesus and friendship with each other and His friendship with us, 
We need to have this definition in our mind. What is biblical friendship? So we need to begin at the beginning. The origin of biblical friendship. Go to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26 in the first part of that verse. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Whose image is mankind made in? God's. Okay, that's true, but is that the complete answer? No, it isn't. It's not, is it? Let's read it again with it highlighted. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. God's image includes from the very beginning relationships. Therefore, we are designed from the beginning to need relationships. God confirms it just a chapter later. Genesis 2, verse 18. Look at this. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now guys, up to this point, everything God created is considered good or very good. Up to this point, that's all we've heard about His creation. And now, for the first time, God says something's not good. Well, what does that mean? Was was Adam not a good design? No, because he said when he made mankind, it was very good. So the issue is not Adam and of himself. But the problem is, is Adam by himself cannot fully represent the image of God. Because the image of God is more than just one. It's where the idea of the triune God, the Trinity, the, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Whatever else may have been up there at the time that he stated this. It was meant to be together. So what's not good is that man can never truly fulfill the image of God alone. Ever. It's not good for man or woman to be alone. And so what does he do? He makes a helper. He makes a friend. Yes, it may have been the opposite gender, because I think we do need opposite gender friendships too. I think this is why we have brothers and sisters, even in our families at times. It's, it's good to have the, the intergender friendships as well. Let's not forget the boundaries of purity. See, it was, it was simply that in a human form, he could not be a community in himself as God is a community in himself. He had to have someone else to have a friendship with to truly have a biblical friendship. To truly represent the image of God. That's amazing. We reflect God's image when we live in God-centered relationships. Biblical friendship. So what happened? What happened to this amazing friendship? The breakdown of biblical friendship. See, unfortunately, there's an enemy of biblical friendship. And it occurred very quickly in the history of mankind. We know who and what it is. Who is it? What is it? Sin. And what does it do? What does sin do to biblical friendship? That's supposed to be community, God-centered friendship. It can never be alone. What does it do? Well, let's look. Genesis 3, 9-10. After the sin, look, look at the response 
that takes place. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And by the way, when you sin, that's a great question to ask. Because when you sin, it puts you in a different place. Even though you're still technically in the same place where the sin occurred. It actually puts you in a spiritually different place the minute you will have sin to break your friendship with God or with each other. Where are you? He answered. Boy, this changed fast. Just a little bit earlier, it's like, oh, look at this woman. Bone of my moan, flesh of my flesh. And now all of a sudden, instead of we, it's, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked. So I hid. Where did the we go? See, that's what sin does. It takes away the we. It takes away the friendship. It isolates you. It makes you self-focused. It makes you blame shift, as later we see. See, the question we need to ask when sin takes place is, where are you? Sin always puts you in a different place spiritually, even though you may not have changed places physically. Should not the answer have been when God caught out, God, I'm in the garden, I'm in Eden. He didn't answer that. He didn't even mention the garden. He didn't mention God except that he was afraid of him. It was all I, I, I. But sin also separates the relationships that we need to reflect God's image. It went from we, this wonderful woman, to I. It went from bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh to the woman you put here with me. Boy, that went quiet. That was so fast. It not only caused Adam and Eve to be separated from each other, but also with God. Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the servant, but they both hide from God, not from each other or from the serpent. Whoa, wait a minute, the problem was never God. And that's who you're hiding from. See, when you sin, it breaks your friendship with God and it puts you in a different place. Wow. How is God to blame? See, the connection between sin and our friendship has three key components. And this will define what biblical friendship should be like. The first one is vertical. The root cause, motivational, the internal result, and missional, the external result. Let's deal with the first one, the vertical. Colossians 1, verse 21 through 22 says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now you understand Adam. He went from God to, I hid from you. You're my enemy. And yet the serpent's the enemy. Sin is the enemy. And yet God became the enemy. Because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you. You can't change where you go in sin. Only God can. Where you are is where you are. Once you separate, once you've broken that friendship, you can try to come back, but without God you can't. He's the only one who can reconcile you. He reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Sin absolutely, consistently, always interferes in our relationship with God 
and with each other. See, if we don't focus on this issue of sin in my, let's say my instead of our, because we've got to take responsibility for my sins, your sins, our sins. If we don't deal with that in our vertical relationship with God, we'll never be able to move to the horizontal relationships and get biblical friendships. But fortunately, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, has given us an opportunity to reconcile our relationship with God and therefore also the ability to have biblical friendships with each other. But unfortunately, even after we're reconciled, we still deal with sin. And sin can still hinder our vertical relationship with God and horizontally with others. See, biblical friendship has to begin with the vertical friendship with God. It says the greatest command is what? Love God, then love your neighbor. It doesn't say love your neighbor and then love God. You've got to start with God. But it can't end with there. Because biblical friendship is a community. It's got to be more than one. It's got to be sh- we can't represent the image of God if it's just me and God. It's got to be me with others with God. Which leads to the motivational. See, if we don't deal with sin, it ultimately causes us to become self-focused which in turn affects our motivations in everything we do, even when we attempt to build friendships with others. Have you ever had these questions in your mind when you've thought about building a new friendship? Do they like me? Can I make them like me? Will they accept me? Will they love me after they know who I am? What are they expecting from me? Will they hurt me? Do you see what sin did? It's all about you. It has nothing to do with the person you're trying to have a friendship with. It's all about you. That's what sin does. It isolates you even in trying to build new relationships, new friendships. The focus of even a potential friendship becomes all about me. And as a result of sin, it affects everything if we don't pursue friendships with a biblical foundation. See, right out of a desire for personal benefit, which is how a lot of our worldly friendships are, we should have a motivation to have friendships that reflect God's image. If our friendships are not reflecting God's image, you don't have a biblical friendship. Your motivation is all about you. Not about God. But see, ultimately, if we don't deal with the inner motivational results, we'll never get to the external missional results, which God intends for our biblical relationships. See, in the beginning, our friendships were meant to reflect the image of God. But sin can make even our friendships more about us even to the exclusion of God. So we may have a lot of relationships, but is God in it? God wants to be in every one of your relationships. I think the most important one, the one He created in the very beginning, your spouse. If you're not best friends with your spouse, you have a problem. You're not having the relationship God intended from the beginning. Now, friends still get on each other's nerves. Spouses will get on each other's nerves. But friends work through it. Friends 
get stronger because of it. But it's amazing how many of us settle for fellowship in our marriage. Not get deeper in our relations with our spouses. That's not reflecting God's image. And you know what's sad is your kids see it. You're trying to help them see that they need to be part of the kingdom of God, but they don't even see it in your marriage? Because you don't reflect the image of God in the way that you act with one another? How are we called disciples? By our love for one another. Shouldn't our love for our spouse be the first thing to motivate our kids to see Jesus? Absolutely. But just like any relationship, it's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of asking for forgiveness, not sorries. I got rid of sorries. The game included. <laughs> Trust me, we've had more family times. That game is like sin. Because no matter how well-intended we are, it gets to the point, sorry! It's like, oh. Right? But you know how selfish sorry is? So I'm sorry you feel that way. It's putting it back on the other person. Sorry never takes ownership. But if I have to say, forgive me, I'm in that confession of saying forgive me, I'm admitting I'm responsible. But if I say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, feel that way. There's no ownership. It's like I just want to get rid of conflict and move on because I like my fellowship. I don't want deep friendship. We've got to take this seriously if we want it to get missional. See, the reality is our friendships will tell a story. What is your relationships telling? Is it just a story about you? A story about them? Or is it a story about the love of God? What's your story? What story are you telling in your relationships? You know, I'm currently taking a master's class, as you know, and this class, pray for me, this is a tough one. I've had more reading. I have four papers due this week alone. Uh, But it's medieval Christianity. I could spend literally hours telling you some of the things I'm learning. Uh, Crazy stuff happened in those periods from the 1st century to the 4th century. I get to end in the Crusades. And I'll try to bring some of that to you. But part of what we've been looking at is looking at the Apostolic Fathers. These are disciples that we believe in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries, what their writings were. How did they look at the text? What canon of Scripture did they believe in? What beliefs did they have? And it sort of made me think, okay, we know from the beginning God created us to be community, to be friends. How did these apostolic fathers think about friendship? And I was blown away. Look at this one from Augustine. He's from the 4th century, so this is 400 years later, 347 I think is the actual date of his confessions. This is a written text of Augustine, how he became a follower of Christ. It's called the Confessions. Here's what he says. No friends are true friends unless you, my God, bind them fast to one another through that love which is sown in our heart by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. 400 years later, talking about biblical friendship, he goes, if Christ isn't in it, it's not friendship. And in the context of this quote, he was actually cheering about a very close friend that he had in the pagan world before he became a follower of Christ. And And even as he's cheering about this friend, he's like, that's not my true friend. Because if Christ is not involved, it can't be. 
Let's go a couple thousand years later. Here's one by Aurel Rivlot on a book called Spiritual Friendship, 1974. And so in friendship are joined honor and charm, truth and joy, sweetness and goodwill, affection and action. And all these take their beginning from Christ, advance through Christ, and are perfected in Christ. Our friendships need to tell a story to this world that we have a friendship with God and with each other. Both of those relationships will let the world know the answer. Jesus. We were given from the beginning biblical friendship. Sin broke it down. Jesus is the answer to both. He was there in the beginning when it was created. He was part of the image. And then even when our sin broke it, He came down, became us, and was a friend. Even Jesus, the Son of God, when He came down, what did He look for? Relationships. The Son of God knew He could not properly reflect the image of God just by being the Son of God. He needed to have relationships to show the world, to tell a story that God loves us and wants a relationship with us and with each other. So that leads to the final point, the restoration of biblical friendship. Ephesians 2 verse 14, a very relevant scripture in our time of hatred and division and segregation and racism. In verse 14 it says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations, His purpose was to create Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. Now I'm aware that most of us can admit, even with our best efforts at building relationships, they can go wrong, even in the church. Rejected, betrayed, bullied, ignored. But we should not give up in pursuing true friendship. But we do need to be aware of toxic ones. And we'll talk about that as well as we go forward. We need to define what is biblical friendship, but we also need to say what it's not. And how do we avoid it when it's not? And how do we find it and build it and strengthen it when it is? See, the answer is still and always will be Jesus. Biblical friendship must be Christ-centered. If Jesus doesn't come up in your conversation with your friends, it's not a biblical friendship. It's not. You may like each other. You may have common things in mind. That's great. But that's really just fellowship in comparison to friendship that God designed us and created us to have and to express to the world. For it was Christ who restored our friendship with God. And as a result, gives us the ability to learn how to have great friendships with each other. So what we've looked at today is the definition. We've looked at the origin of biblical friendships. We've looked at the breakdown 
sin and our enemy, Satan, who wants to divide a biblical friendship. But we also are beginning to see the restoration of biblical friendships. Jesus was there in the beginning when it was created. He has provided an answer for when it broke down. And only He can restore it. Biblical friendship. Jesus is our friend. The question is, are you really His? And are we each other's friends as defined by the Word of God? Let us go to prayer as we prepare our hearts for communion. Lord, this is so humbling. Because I know for me, I can't speak for others. It just shows how willing I am to accept shallow relationships. Even ones I think are spiritual. And yet if they don't reflect you, if they don't imitate how you were in your relationships, then I don't have what you designed us to have from the beginning. God, I don't know where we are in our friendships. I don't even know where we are necessarily in all our fellowship. But God, I pray we will not settle for fellowship. That we will strive for true friendship. Jesus, we are no longer just servants. We can be in fellowship and we can serve. But you want more than that. And I believe we want more than that. We want a deep, intimate, transforming friendship with you. God, we've seen you've already taken the first step. When you took on our flesh, our weaknesses, and even as the Son of God, you needed relationships. Even ones who betrayed you, you still kept them close. You are the only answer to how we can restore what you knew we needed from the beginning. It is not good for us to be alone. Thank you for what you did on that cross. Thank you for the sin that only you can remove to take us back from the place we went to get us restored to the place we should be with you and with each other for eternity. Thank you for biblical friendships. Thank you for the Word that can help us navigate this journey. Help us to know how to avoid toxic relationships. But let us not be a victim of them to the point we don't also strive to build great friendships. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.